So, so today um, we are we're going to continue on, of course, in this in this uh, sermon series that we've been on. Um, we we're in our I think what is this our third week I think in in Mark chapter four, um, and and today we're studying this passage that that Adam just read us this famous story where Jesus calms a storm. Um, you know, so far as we've gone through this uh, through this whole study. We've seen the miraculous power of Jesus in several ways. We've seen him uh, heal, you know, the paralyzed. The, uh, we've seen him heal lepers, the chronically sick, right? We've, we've seen him cast out demons and, and forgive sin. <clears throat> and, and we read that the, all of these miracles that he's doing are so plentiful that the entire Mediterranean region is buzzing about them. So today, we're, we're adding to the list of miracles his, his authority over over creation itself. Now, um, you know, last week we had kind of a rare treat around here. We got to see the the northern lights visible from our area. How, did you guys get to see those? Anybody get any good pictures of them? I couldn't see them, but they were all over the news. It sounded like everybody in the in the entire community was getting pictures of them, but I couldn't see them. But um, so you know that was cool because it was this you know solar storm where. Um, gas particles from our atmosphere are, are, are you know, smashing into to particles of radiation from the sun and, and making this miraculous light show that's visible from, you know, for thousands and thousands of miles. Um, but miracles involving nature, these have, these have occurred, you know, many times throughout the Bible. But this one that we're going through today is the first one that we read about from Mark. But it revolves around the fear of Jesus' closest disciples. So let's start off with this question. How do you react to fear? Um, before I go any farther with that, I want to just kind of point out, if you guys haven't checked out the, the Alpine Church, the Truth podcast um, that Alpine Church does, it's a phenomenal way to just kind of carry on this, this lesson through the week. And there's a bunch of resources. It gets bigger every week. Um, but if you check that out on Spotify or, or Apple iTunes or whatever it's called, um, you know, any of those, those streaming apps. But it's just a great way to, to continue on with, the, with the, the study because that's, we don't want to just come together for, you know, a, a half-hour message every Sunday and then, and then that's it. I'm giving you stuff so that you'll dig into it throughout the week. That's, what, that's our goal, right? So this is our question. How do you react to fear? Well, fear is something that happens to every single one of us, right? This is, this is you know, I'm not, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. We have all, all kinds of different things that cause us fear. Um, and, and they vary throughout the, the room here. We, we have a fear of crowds, spiders, failures, heights, um, public speaking, clowns. I have a problem with clowns. Snakes, darkness, conflict. Solitude, death. So um, let's let's define a couple of terms here before we go any any further. Fear is an emotion that that tunes us into safety. It, it for, forces us to to focus on on whatever the threat is that we perceive and how it might affect us. And anxiety is a reaction to that fear. And because it is a reaction. That means that we can make a choice and have some influence over it. Now, I can, I can almost guarantee that the suggestion that, that anxiety is a choice probably doesn't sit well with some people here today. But follow me here on this. 
uh, often that reaction um, to fear manifests, manifests itself in, in one of a few ways. Fight, flight, or freeze. Um, or at least that's the, the, the world's responses. And now I've experienced each of these, um, as you guys probably have uh, yourselves, or at least many of you probably have. Um, but we can train ourselves to react differently. But we need to know about another response option. Because as we continue through our, our study of, of Mark 4 that we're doing, we're going to see that this option is presented, and that is faith. So again, how do you react to fear? With anxiety, or with, with, with worry of some sort, or with faith? Well, let's jump into the text that we're, we're studying today, see this example with uh, Jesus and his disciples. So in verse 35 of Mark chapter 4, it says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Now, the, you know, the Sea of Galilee isn't actually a sea. It's just a lake. Um, and, and just kind of as a frame of reference for those of you who have been to Bear Lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee or Lake Tiberias is about two-thirds that size. Um, so it's, it's a decent-sized body of water, but it's not a, it's not a sea. Um, but this says that the, uh, the waves are breaking over the side of the boat and, and filling it with water. Well, the, disciple, the disciples are fishermen, right? So uh, they, they're certainly used to storms while they're out fishing, right? I mean, isn't that what we would sort of assume? Well, not necessarily on this lake. Um, storms here on the Sea of Galilee rarely get very crazy. In fact, while I was prepping for this, I, I got on you know, YouTube, I was looking for some, some videos of, of storms on the Sea of Galilee so I could describe it. I wanted to try to you know, maybe, maybe wow you with some, some you know, storm data about the Sea of Galilee, but there are very, very few videos of, of significant storms out there. And as I read about it, there are very few significant storms, um, videoed or not videoed, uh, on, on that lake. And that's what actually makes this even more interesting to me. Um, so for these fishermen, their entire fishing careers would have likely been on this lake, right? It's not like they can go and just, you know, hook up their boat and tow it to another, another body of water if the fishing runs, you know, runs out. Um, they would have been very familiar with the weather systems on this body of water. But there in, in verse 37, um, where it talks about uh, a fierce storm uh, coming up, the, in Greek, the word, I think it's pronounced genomai, and it, it, it means to come into existence or to be born. Right? This, is, this is something that happened suddenly. This is a supernatural storm that happened in an instant. Um, and, you know, they set out that evening. Uh, it said that they set out in the evening, um, and it, this fierce gale of wind and waves crashing over the boat. So whatever lanterns they might have had with them on the boat, there's a good chance that, that those have, have gone out and that, that they've been extinguished, and it's probably... Uh, you know, completely dark. Now, this boat is not very big either, right? In, in 1986, they, uh, they actually found a first century Galilean boat in this lake um, that they refer to as the Jesus boat. They have no 
you know, idea if he was ever in it. They just refer to it because it is likely the kind that was being used in that region at that time. And it's only 27 feet long. And it's only seven and a half feet wide. So it's not very big, right? So, so this is, some of you may have even, you know, have a, had experiences where you've been out on the water and, and got into some, some choppy waves and you know that that sense of anxiety can be, can be significant. And even if the, the fishermen among the disciples were comfortable with the stormy seas, we know that Matthew was a tax collector and several of the other disciples likely were not fishermen, although we don't necessarily know their, um, their professions. But it's also important to note that the seas and the ocean, when we read about them in, in, you know, in uh, the Bible, they represent a powerful and a, and a scary place that, that cause pain and death, they, right? They bring uneasiness, they bring, they bring fear. So for the last two weeks, as we've been going through this, we've been studying parables of Jesus, right? Parables are simple stories used to illustrate uh, a spiritual lesson, but this storm isn't a parable. This isn't. This is actually happening. Um, but we'd be remiss if we only saw this the storm as as simply a natural problem. In actuality, when we contemplate our lives and and sin and and our our inner evil hearts, uh, we should see these storms as as reminiscent of of the chaos that happens all the time in our lives. And God brings us to and through storms. He tests our faith. And we should see these storms um, as, as instructors in our life and as disciplined masters. And in 1 Peter 1, we get this idea. It says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So some of these storms in, in, in our everyday life, how about marriage and, and family problems, financial issues, addiction, physical ailments, mental and emotional disorders, accidents, natural disasters, spiritual warfare. We need to look at life storms not as disasters, though, but as opportunities to see God's transforming power at work in our lives. Now, wait a second. So disasters aren't disasters, but blessings? Well, it says... It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. See, this story is telling us that it's telling us that Jesus sent them across the sea knowing that this would happen, right? This was this was his idea. It says Jesus says, let's cross to the other side of the lake. See, something that we that we often forget is that God's will is good. Right? For some reason, that seems to, to slip by us sometimes. And sometimes God's will takes us through disaster intentionally. Now, many of us may have in our, in our spiritual immaturity formed strong opinions about the goodness of his heart 
when we realize that. And, you know, if that's you, I want you to know you're not alone. Um, I've done that. Even his closest disciples did that. In fact, let's go on here to, to Mark uh, 4, verse 38 and 39, and see how the disciples reacted. It says, <clears throat> Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was great calm. Now, before we move on to the disciples' attitude, we need to pay attention um, to the reminder here of Jesus' simultaneous godhood and manhood. Jesus is both God and man. It, um, you know, only, only God can command the wind and the waves. We see that demonstrated in, in the book of Exodus, right? When, when, uh, when Moses parts the, the Red Sea. And that means that he is clearly God. And yet, Psalm 121 tells us that God never sleeps. Man, on the other hand, gets tired and needs rest. And, and Jesus was tired from, from working all day. He's clearly fully man. Now, we're not going to go into that anymore today, but um, Jesus' nature as both fully God and fully man is an essential part of, of truly knowing him. But the disciples here were, were rude. They were, they were rude and they were downright unfaithful in their waking and their questioning of Jesus. They have the nerve to, to ask him, don't you even care? In fact, the text says that they were shouting at him, right? They're bluntly questioning his heart and his, and his goodness. And this is only hours after they have seen countless demonstrations of him showing mercy to the sick and the lame and, and the possessed, and yet they still doubted him. They wake him up from his sleep and they, and they insult him. Now, in, in my house, we don't wake up the boss, do we? In fact, we go to great lengths to avoid such a calamity. But, but Jesus, my wife's not here, so she can't hear this. That's who I'm talking about. <laughs> but Jesus was, was gracious with his power. He uses his authority not to judge, but to save. It says here that he rebuked the wind, not the guys who yelled insults at him to wake him up from his nap. And I want you guys to know that God hears your prayers, even in your, your frantic fear and in your unfaithfulness. I know for a fact that he has answered my prayers in my life, even when I had the nerve to question the goodness of his will. And the, the writer of Psalm 107 had a similar story to tell. This passage has some amazing similarities to our story today. It says, those who... Go excuse me, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, this would be professional sailors and, and fishermen, right? They have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. Again, this is his will, right? They rose up to the heavens. They went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man and were at their wit's end. 
again, that sounds like anxiety, right? And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still, so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. But let's look at this next verse here, because it says a lot about where our hearts ought to be. It says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. See, the proper perspective that, that we should have on, on God exercising his will in the world is one of gratitude and one of praise. Now, there's another time uh, when Jesus called his, his first disciples. Um, he performed a, a, a miracle with fish, um, with a, a, a fishing net being overloaded so much that it was tearing. This is in Luke 5. I don't have a, I don't have a slide for it here, but, but these guys, they hadn't caught anything um, all day long, and then Jesus comes and he tells them to throw their nets out one more time, and they're kind of begrudging, and you know they, they're, they, they're not really uh, wanting to because they're tired, they're exhausted, but they reluctantly do it, and they bring in a huge catch that's so big that it tears their nets. And in Luke 5, verse 8, um, it says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So after seeing Jesus' power and, and authority, Peter re, uh, repented and fell down in humility. And that is the right response to a gracious and powerful God. Guys, we have to know that storms will come but the calm actually comes through Jesus. See, Jesus was, was calm through the storm. He, he takes a nap, right? He's not, he's not worried. He knows that he's in control. Knowing that Jesus is the sovereign Lord ought to give us peace. But the disciples' fear revealed their their the reality of their lack of faith here, right? They, they still aren't close enough to Jesus in relationship to trust and really know who he is, right? To know that he is good, to know that, that he is loving and kind. And so he asks them a, a pointed question here in, oops, sorry, in verse 40. says, then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Now, obviously Jesus knows that he's good. And he's patient with their lack of faith. See, he's been telling us from the very beginning not to have fear. Here's an example of it in Isaiah 41. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And interestingly, some form of have no fear um, exists 365 times in the Bible, right? So get on Amazon, order yourself a desk calendar that has 365 do not fear verses. So you can be reminded of that every day. We, I, think that's a, I think that's one of those beautiful things that, that God does to remind us that because it's that important to him. 
right? He, he really wants us to re- be mindful of this, of this every single day that we shouldn't have fear. But he asks two rhetorical questions here, one about fear and one about their lack of faith. And these two go hand in hand, right? These, these, two, these two concepts. He, see, Jesus is letting the, the disciples know that they need boldness in the face of these challenges that they're going to have through life and to trust in God's ability to bring them through it. And these guys have seen so many miracles up to this point that they really should have known his heart. They should have trusted. But, I mean, think about this. The miracles were so plentiful. People from all over are coming and and witnessing them. And these guys have a front row seat to this. So they really should have trusted. But we got to remember that we always uh, need to fall back on our initial faith moments to remember and, to, and to, to contemplate the things that God has done in our lives when we've been facing storms, when we've been facing darkness and, and challenges. Remember, only hours before this, in, in verse 11 of this same chapter, the disciples had been presented as the insiders, the, 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 the recipients of the secrets of the kingdom. In that verse, he said, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables. Right? So these guys know that they have an insight here, yet they will repeatedly waver and fail. But let's remember that this gospel that Mark is writing here is, it's not a call to, to make us be like the disciples, but for us to pattern our lives after Jesus. Choose to, to, to live our lives following God's kingdom purposes, right? That's what we're supposed to do. And if we do that, we can have peace even during those turbulent times, even, even during those those storms with waves crashing over our, our boat. And I'm here to tell you guys, God doesn't always, he doesn't always quiet the waves. Um, I faced big waves only to find myself facing bigger waves. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to, it's a lot easier to put trust in God in the sunshine uh, when our feet are firmly placed on, on dry ground um, when we can personally verify our security um, and know that have that have that that peace that we know things are going to be uh, you know all right when we can see that with our own eyes, but in a lot of ways that sums up everything that is wrong with the sinful nature of the world and 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 therefore what separates us from God after all the problem of sin is that that we that mankind chooses to go our way instead of going God's way. That sin, that, that sin that we're talking about, it exists in every one of us too, right? That's just how we are. It's, it's, it's just the way that we are, are made up. We choose to go our way. We seek our best interest rather than seeking God's will and to do things the way that, that he does it. But he loved us more than we can understand, and, and God wasn't okay with the result of that choice because he knew that it separated us from him. He knew our choice to sin brought each and every one of us an eternal death sentence. 
So he made a way to bring us back into that perfect relationship. But our only hope is to cling only to him, not to ourselves. It's, it's dependent upon us casting away our faith in ourselves because we have to know that we are completely helpless in changing our coming punishment. Only Jesus' sacrifice and victory over death was capable of paying that debt. Only his death on that cross. And that's why he's reminding them here to, to, fear, to fear the creator, not the creation, right? Faith is trusting that he's in control when we're not. Faith is a fear of the Lord. Anxiety is when we trust ourselves, right? Anxiety is, is having a fear of the storm itself. And Jesus is the uh, only one who's going to save us through that storm. In Psalm 46, 1 through 3, it reminds us of that very thing. It says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge because, because he is always ready to help. We choose not to fear. In Psalm 46.10, just a few verses later, it tells us why. It says, be still and know that I am God. See, his answer to what would naturally cause us anxiety is for us to, to, to choose to be still in the knowledge of who he is. But the world doesn't know Jesus. It doesn't know who he is, and, and, and they try to refine who and what he is. So let's close with this question posed by the disciples. Who is this man? Well, he's God. He is good. And through a lot of pain and a, and a lot of trial, Jesus secured our salvation through his death. That's the gospel. And that was good. He didn't try to avoid the hardships. He didn't try to, to, to skate by the, the hard times and the, and the pain. But rather, he was our example of enduring with faith and, and trust in God whose will is good. His suffering brought us peace. He's God who will deliver you and me through to the other side of this storm that, that we face in life, all of these storms that, that we face in life. So one last time, how do you react to fear? Guys, he will bring those storms because he wants you to cling only to him, not because he's bad, but because he knows that clinging to him is so good. Let's, let's pray. Lord God, I... I, uh, you know, I stand here as a, as, a, as a man who has at many times in my life feared and uh, desired to have control and, and to be able to figure out my, my own way out of problems. And Lord, I can, I can clearly uh, see the way that, that that decision in my life caused me more and more problems. And I, and I can also stand here as a man who has at, at, at 
at a point finally let go of that control and reached for you and felt the miraculous change in my life. And so, Lord, I, I know that there's people here in this room today that are, that are clinging to, to anxiety, to clinging to their fear, clinging to their own need to, to try to control the storms in their life. But, Lord, I just ask that you would work in their hearts to help them to understand that, that the, the harder they cling to that control the less in control they, they could ever be. It's only, it's only through you and only through clinging to you, Lord, that we would ever be able to finally have peace. And even that idea, Lord, is, is something that's scary for us. It's, it's this weird part about us being humans that we're presented so often with opportunities to fail if only we would just cling to you. So help the, the, the folks in this room today here in this, Lord, to stop putting their trust in themselves, but to, to reach out for you. Lord, I know that they will be blessed when they do that, when they come into contact with you and your, and your mighty hands that hold them up and that, that deliver them through the storms. But Lord, I hope that you are glorified through this message, through our songs, and through the application of this as we leave here today, that we would, we would take this and we would just remember those times where you have come through in our lives and that we would give you all the glory that you deserve. Lord, we thank you and we love you and we say this in Jesus' name, amen.